It's the True Penny Show with your host James True Penny. Show from Shinjuku Face Arena in Tokyo. And to join me, as ever, is our great correspondent, Mr. Marcus Green of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. How are we doing, sir? Doing okay. Uh, glad to be back. Glad to be talking about some uh, some glee before the holidays over here. And uh, yeah, these were, again, two quality shows from glee as per usual. Yeah, they've got we've got the big run up to the New Year's Christmas kind of week in Japanese wrestling, which is the biggest week of the year, which you know finishes on the fourth of January with Wrestle Kingdom and the fifth of January with New Year's Dash. And in the run up to that, there is a load of big shows from Glate and DDT and All Japan and Noah. Myself and Mr. John Dinsdale will be previewing all of those shows for you next week. So you can guide yourself to whichever streaming services you wish, should you be stranded with no entertainment you can watch japanese wrestling literally for hours upon hours upon hours during christmas week because what else would you do anyway we're going to go back to last week well a couple of weeks ago this was the 23rd of november this show opened with yan this family isay on its and yusuke kadama going up against bulk orchestra check shimitani and kazuma sakamoto kadama getting a big pinfall victory over check shimitani seven minutes and 43 seconds this was an interesting matchup, especially the, the, with the result there, but I liked it. It was a lot of fun. And kind of, Yen's family are kind of treated as a bit of a comedy at side at times, but this was some serious business from Kadama Natsaka. What did you think of this one, Marcus? As I've been saying, we continue to see the growth, uh, you know, continuously with Yen's family. As to your point, like you said, it started out very much weird. I think we both were trying to figure out what what, what they were doing, what, you know, what this idea was, and slowly but surely, it's, it's been coming together. They've got their aesthetic locked, and then once they got that down, you know, they they only gone strength for strength in the ring. With again, you know, Kadama coming out being almost the MVP, uh, you know, standing next to Niska and 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 uh, the others. He's been he's been he's really he's really been the, the most valuable player in these types of matches. He's only gotten better at showmanship. Everything and the fact, like you said, he got the he got the pin here, um, just you know proves where they at. I mean, they've gotten to the point where they're, you know, damn, they're on the level uh, with Boko Orchestra, who are absolutely the studs of the promotion. But you know, this is this is the time and the hard work that's been put in. So the fact that they could give Sheik Shimotani and Sakamoto a run for their money just kind of tells you, you know, you kind of need to know. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Um, it, it, I mean, there's a lot of Yang's family over both of these two shows. Not to say that Bulk Orchestra is taking the back seat. There's plenty of Bulk Orchestra around. Um, but certainly there seems to be a bit of a push, especially with Camino in the main event in the last couple of shows. He's still seen as a bit of a, a bit of a dragon as far as getting up the heavyweight ranks is concerned. But yeah, and just crisp double team maneuvers. You know, that was, there was something, um, Myself and Dara O'Connor were watching um, actually Kazuma Sakamoto, a, a Gleet favorite, uh, on some shows yesterday for an event for a show that we're going to bring you on New Year's Eve. Uh, well, yeah, it will be New Year's. No, it'll be New Year's Day when it comes out, actually. Um, and Dara was just so impressed by the level of tag team wrestling in Japan. There's like the, the crispness of it, the 
kind of the ability to take advantage of the rules <laughs> and just getting on with it and referees being a bit like but it was just like like the, the just there's just a sense of excitement about tag team wrestling in japan that you don't get anywhere else and i think it's basically down to like the amount of practice they get because the majority of their shows are tag team based um but this was just yeah this was just really good and and, and yeah like we're saying there's a kind of a level of a level of invincibility coming around Jan's family that we kind of haven't seen from anyone in a while because it's kind of been even Steven among all factions. Um, but so, yeah, interesting, definitely. Uh, next up, Jun Tonsho took on Yu Yu Susumu and, and lost in 7 minutes and 52 seconds in kind of emphatic style. Susumu kind of got a bulldog choke on Tonsho and that was all she wrote. Tonsho did really well in the previous 7 minutes and 51 seconds. Kind of went all downhill from there in the end, though. What did you think of this one, Marcus? This was this was solid, man. But I was feeling bad for my boy Tancho throughout. I mean, he kind of, I mean, it's funny that you said that because uh, that's exactly what I thought about when he got the lock on him at the end uh, when Yuya did. Uh, but essentially, that's that's basically the word for the match uh, from Yuya's perspective. He pit bulled him the whole time. Um, yeah. Very much stronger yeah. in the arms, and he just really didn't give. I mean, Tancho obviously fought back, but for the most part. You didn't give him any chance to breathe, and it showed in those last maybe 10 seconds how you got to think that crucifix pin on him. And then, as soon as he kicked out, immediately went for that cross face, uh, you know, bulldog lock and just and just cleared him out of there. You know, Yuya, you know, was you know, it's gonna be a kind of ongoing theme in, in certain instances across both these shows, but Yuya was there for a good time, not a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we mention this every time, but he does look about 12 years old. In fact, he's actually a you know 20 year veteran, so we shouldn't be surprised sure. he puts in performances like this. Um, controlled, I think, is the words we're looking for. But there you go. Yeah. More more tag action next. Kolekans, Kasayashi, Minoru Tanaka take on Bulk Orchestra, Galino Del Mau, and Raichu Kawakami, and win. 10 minutes and 41 seconds. Uh, Tanaka getting a cross arm lock on Raichu Kawakami. This was uh, this was a lot of back and forth. Galina Del Mal is he's such an awesome presence in professional wrestling. I'm he's got to have a breakout year sometime soon. Not that he's doing anything particularly wrong, and he's clearly having a very successful career. But I'm actually amazed that no one else has picked him up other than Glate and the independents in Mexico. Um, Kazayashi, he's he's 49, <laughs> and he wrestles this well. There he are so know. many. Yeah, no, he doesn't wrestle like a 49-year-old. Minoru Tanaka absolutely does not wrestle like a 51-year-old. They both wrestle like guys half their age and act like guys half their age most of the time. Um, but this was kind of classic territory. The smaller, almost junior heavyweight tag team, because Tanaka's junior heavyweight legend, taking on Del Mal and Kawakami and pushing them to the limit and then taking it in the end. And it was a very nice story to tell of the underdogs just not being able to get any traction until the very end when they were able to pick apart Kawakami. No, I mean, yeah, this this was another uh, great outing from, from both sides. I absolutely love Cold Cans to me. They're the OGs. You know, like you said, you know, they're a certain age, but you, you would feel like, um, like you said, they don't know. <laughs> I don't think they're aware of the age. Like you said, they don't wrestle like it. And, and, and Kaz and Minoru, have, they wrestle like they've been running since like that since they were kids together. Um, <laughs> and I just love that. Like it's the natural, just the cohesion of the veteran nature. They very much do their own thing, but they never get in each other's way. And then, you know, very much come together and, and a lot of fluidity when they need to. And 
Like we talk about vocal orchestra is an absolute problem from, from most perspectives, but we've been seeing people find chinks in their armor. And much like black generation, you know, it's not you look at look at that staples, like you throw any combination together, they are an absolute problem and harder to overcome. But then, you know, like I said, cold cancer very much the vets and honed and, and battle ready, but you look at guys like from Black Generation, you look at Harley Jackson, and then you come to Boko Kessler and Galeno, I'm like, any, any combination with those two in the in the match, like I always say, it's going to be a long night. Uh, but that never kind of ran into play with Cole Cassidy. And again, that, that shows that veteran experience. And to your point about Galeno, as we always comment about how much of a marvel he is to watch, I feel like Galeno, when you look at him, you can't really define him. And as you were talking to him, like, he's what, people are looking to create when they're doing creative wrestlers on video. Mm. You want that size and power, but you also want that 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 aerial fluidity. And that's what he has. And it's ridiculous. And we're gonna see more of it. Um as um you know we we go uh, to the other card as well because you know as big as he is he's not sloppy looking he's very much in shape. You know he's he's very he's just very much he's stocky but but he like again he moves like a like a cruiserweight and it's 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 mind blowing to see and maybe that's the, the the ultimate beauty again to your point about nobody being able to you know nobody picking him up mm-hmm. I feel like he may have been picked up in some form or fashion by AEW but in a lot of ways I'm kind of glad he hasn't been because we'd have less of him to talk about here uh, <laughs> uh, yeah he's just like I'm, I'm never not just like. I find myself just turning my head when he's in the ring. Like this shouldn't be here, but it, it sure is. It shouldn't work, but it does. So yeah. I think unfortunately for a, a, a lot of people that sign for AEW, it's a bit like the old joke about being vice president. Two sons, two sons left the house. One joined the navy. One became vice president. And neither we heard from again. <laughs> um, it's, it's not that AW were bad. Is is just that there's some guys signing. You go, yeah, it's gonna be amazing. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it's just like I mean, they do some wonderful things. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Tony Storm is a great example of like how to. Well, we're not giving me anything. I best do this myself. And they allow people to do that, which is something WWE would never allow to do, to an extent. So you know, the, there is there is ways and means, but yeah, I, I I would think Impact might be a better place for him, um, just because he'd have, you know, well, sorry, TNA would be a better place for him because if you will pardon the pun, he would have a greater impact with that roster size and people the ilk that are there. I mean, yeah, I mean, look to your point and, and to their, their, I mean, look, they're making some real good moves considering the fact of a couple of guys that they are. Uh, <laughs> Uh, looking to, to very much get back to uh, a push, if you will, in the, in the new year being, you know, guys like Kushida and obviously I think, uh, you know, obviously James has got Okada passing through there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a part of this year and early part of next year. Um, now, as I was telling a friend of mine, I'm like, if the company isn't in the places, then you don't even get guys like that going through there. Uh, regimes and, and the narrative that the company had in, in the olden times. So, uh, it's it's great to see, and I'm, it's cool that they're going in that direction and, and using that talent. To me, in far better combination than we've seen it with AEW, because it's it, it just feels like, and again, like you said, pun intended, it has more impact. Whatever mm-hmm. they're doing, with mm-hmm. you know the, the spots they're picking, the guys that they're pairing them with, it just feels more impactful. And I hope that you know that relationship continues, 
And and we do get to see some guys like Galeno come in because that would be, I mean, a Galeno versus a Charles Alexander or, or mm. Galeno versus mm. Mike Bailey. I'm I'm just, you know, just go ahead and get the stars out. Just know that we're going past three, you know. <laughs> I think that's the thing. I mean, I've discussed this with friends as well. It's it's sorry to aside to all the Japanese promotions, but I look at the talent swap agreement. DDT have with AEW and everything seems to go to DDT's way. Like, they have to give up to Keshta. Okay. But he's been with us for like 15 years. He's kind of done everything he can possibly do. And he still comes back when we need him. And he brings Chris Jericho with him. That's alright. And, you know, and we, we lend him some some Joshies every once in a while and we, we get some, we get, we get Shida comes back and works for us. And now that's cool. That's alright. And I look at New Japan, and everything seems to go in the AEW direction for that deal. And I don't, I don't, I don't know who negotiated the DDT deal, but they were very, very good. <laughs> it's like, I, you know, let's have Chris Jericho turn up and and just have a, a blinder with Takeshita, like the best match he's had in three years, uh, on our pay per view, and um, and he won't go to New Japan because they they can't afford him. But he'll come do it for us. It's, it just seems a bit weird. Like the, whereas the New Japan deal seems to be, we, we will take all of your stars, and you can have Danielson for one match. <laughs> take your stars, your belts. <laughs> yes, it, does, it doesn't seem to be. You know, it just seems a little one-sided. Just saying. Yeah, um, they, they, it's the it's the big it's the AEW Big Brother effect. Not at all too different from what they did with Impact, but um. They, <laughs> More blatant and on the uh, on the nose with Impact because they just felt like you know, it always felt like they were uh, reminding everybody that they were doing Impact a favor. Uh, it, it, they probably got more respect for New Japan, but like you said, they're still big brother them uh, in in a lot of ways. So, um, yeah. but like you said, yeah. DDT got it on lock. Like you will present our players properly, um, mm. and also to your mm. point, Takeshi is an absolute stud. Like they need to do like a lot more with him. He is a you know. An absolute problem. So it's gonna be looking uh interesting seeing what they do with him going forward. But yeah, he's uh he's really good. Yeah, and, and he's um he's just just awesome. You know, he he he's just awesome. You can't you know he's one of those guys. He's one of those main event players that comes along every once in a very long while. And I think possibly because he's been in that DDT double bubble, no one really took him on because it's like. DDT has a reputation which is completely unwarranted um, of being, you know, comedy stuff. And it is, yeah. But they've got Yonakiyama as well. You know, we've got Chris Brooks. These are serious professional wrestlers who love wrestling and have those kind of matches. Chris Brooks has been arguably one of the best, if not the best performer in Japan this year. You know, and that's a lot. You know how much I love Japanese wrestlers. Yeah, that's... You know, and you know, there's a bunch of people I would say haven't had an amazing years, but Chris Brooks has been off the page good this year. You know, he's done it all in DDT. Um, and so, you know, he had people crying <laughs> for a British wrestler to have people crying at a Japanese wrestling show. That has not happened since Dynamite Kid, you know, Billy Robinson, those kind of guys. So, yeah, it, it's uh, and that's the bit that sells T-shirts and buys tickets, okay? <laughs> but anywho, we're getting aside from this. Let's get back to this show. <laughs> uh, 
Um, where was we? Yes, UWF. You like a bit of UWF, Marcus. Uh, some Ledet UWF title rules. This was a, a tournament to defy, to um, create a new challenger for the current champion, uh, Fujita Hayato, who wrestles in Michinoku Pro. He's not a member of the great roster. He took the title from Takanori Ito some months ago. And this was a tournament to try and find a contender for this particular title going into the big show, which is uh, Great Version uh, 7, I think. Yes. Great Version 7 um, at Tokyo Dome City Hall, which is their annual big Christmas show. Uh, so first of all, we had Yu Iska versus Soma Watanabe. Iska has much more experience than Watanabe in these styles of matches, and it showed two minutes and three seconds. Yu Iska put, put Watanabe away as quickly as he possibly could. Um, and I think that was largely down to knowing, you know, these these matches, the story of these matches is based very purely on a sports context, and Iska did not want to spend time mucking around Watanabe when he didn't know who he was facing next. And the people he could face next were Izuchi and Takanori Ito, two of the biggest hitters in the division. So he put Watanabe away as quickly as he possibly could, which was a sensible thing to do. Would not get a cage match reign because it was less than five minutes, but it was actually very entertaining to watch because it showed you picking a, a veteran of this style, picking a younger opponent apart. Though Watanabe may be older, he's not a shooter. Uh, until recently, he's done a lot more shooting as of recently. But yeah, this was an interesting watch. What's your thoughts on this one, Marcus? No, I loved it. I loved it. We're going to go off into the next one. But, you know, and thank you again to you for putting me on to the UWF. This of it all, because it really felt like a uh, seamless blend in terms of uh, just how, you know, you know, quickly grown appreciation for it. But, yeah, this was, this just showed the intensity and, and the, uh, you know, the, the intentionality uh, towards, you know, these guys, you know, essentially getting, not, not just going after the title, but getting it back to home team. You know, uh, it was disappointing when Ito uh, dropped it. Uh, but when you saw the match, you understood uh, why? Uh, but um, yeah, you was like, I'm not getting paid by the hour. Hell, I'm not getting paid by the minute. <laughs> Let me get this out of here. So I want to not be. It was also, you know, as we talked about, uh, you know, another youngster and himself, where you was just in a different zone. And we, I think we talked about you and Tet, uh, Tetsuya, who have really been turning up the submission game and, and closing these matches out in a way that, that we haven't necessarily seen before, certainly not this consistently. Um, but yeah, they was, they was, uh, like I said, you was on a different wave tonight. Uh, wasn't gonna allow himself to stand up and watch Nabe for potential or quick knockout because obviously we know these matches can be won in different ways. But, uh, yeah, like you said, he didn't know who he was facing, he didn't really have time, uh, to allow things to go on. So that was that was quick, but it was great because, like I said, it showed the sense of urgency, yeah, for sure. Yeah, the, ne the next match was kind of reflective of that uh, because it was a war of attrition. Tetsuji Yuzuchi um, going up against Takanori Ito, 9 minutes and 21 seconds, and Izuchi wins, which is kind of an upset. Ito's the former champion, been chomping at the bit to get back to this championship match. And Izuchi uh, is, again, not the most experienced of shooters in the division. And he went after it full ball with Ito and had a kind of career performance in this match this was absolutely astoundingly good just absolute as as far as this style of wrestling is concerned 
it was thoroughly entertaining bell to bell and you end up with a surprise winner uh, as Suzuki gets across Arwok on Takanori Ito and it's just so much fun to watch and it, it, if you enjoy people kicking each other's heads in this is the match for you because this is about as, as stiff as it gets in pro wrestling these days and thoroughly a blast and enjoyable to watch what's your thoughts on this one Marcus? Yeah, a bit of beautiful brutality indeed um yeah, this was this was just ace right here. This this was ace. This is again, you know, this is what you want out of these matches. Um, and I, you know, I don't, I would normally recommend anybody to just stand with with, with uh, Takanorito because he's just, you know, uh, like I say, he's another stud. But Tetsuya was in a different gear and a different zone, and very much brought it to the big man. Got him. Caught him with the leg early on, and then Ito was like, "Oh, that's the game you playing? Okay, come back to my leg again." Caught him, and she just he was like, "I got a bag of submissions for you," and then went after the arm. Caught him with the arm. Uh, then Suyu very much came back with some stand up, but then Suyu caught him again with the choke. And like you said, it's that that war of attrition because Ito very much was catching him standing, where uh, then Suyu was you know c- catching him in. Uh, getting him on his back and on his stomach with the submissions. And then ultimately just came down to who wanted him more. And I think more than anything, maybe similar to how he lost it, uh, but I think the, the, definitely the opponent very much played more into him losing uh, that match than necessarily this one. I just feel like Tetsuya was hungry and he wanted him more. I think Ito, and I'm going to get to a take on this as well, as great as he is, he has a tendency with all his skill in terms of grappling and his stand-up, he tends to play with his food. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, as, as I think that's the flaw in his character as, uh, as a UWF fighter is the fact that he needs to be a killer and he has yeah. all the tools to be a killer, but he doesn't put people away. You know, that's... That's and arguably that was his problem with Hayato and why he couldn't finish Hayato um, during their championship match. You know, wrestling a much, much, much smaller guy, but mm-hmm. arguably the best shooter is Generation. Uh, who's who? You know, I, I'm not being funny, but if you walk into a ring saying "Keep wrestling real" on your T-shirt, then you have to keep wrestling real. And Hayato does that. You know, he's he's Michinoku Pro Junior Heavyweight Champion. Now, you could say, oh, Michinoku Pro is well past its prime. It's no longer, you know, a top-tier wrestling promotion. No, it, it is. You know, he's, he's beloved. He is over. He knows what he's talking about. So the storyline then becomes, I took him, you didn't take him seriously enough, did you? And Ito did not take Izuchi, again, a younger, smaller wrestler with less experience, but still we have seen him grow using shoot style moves in pro wrestling matches over the last six months and ito has not been watching and that's what cost him the match yeah it's because you pick you pick apart that match and now there was these instances where i'm like if you would have just put the you know put your foot on the gas here you could have got it like like you said back to the championship mm. match he had moments where he could have just absolutely dictated the pace and closed it out and didn't do it for whatever reason here the same thing like like i said Tetsuya was very much catching him with the submissions brilliantly. Um, but Ito, when he gets in that, he has these zones he gets into where he really, I'm like, this Hassan, 
just <laughs> him. Like just how like you just like overwhelm him with your mass. Like you 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 killing him with the strikes. The minute anytime he's back into a corner, the minute he gets on the grab grabs a hold of somebody and throws him, I'm like, it's it's game, it's ball game. But he doesn't put the sense of urgency to do either a lot of times at moments when he should and it it, it catches him every time. And it's it, you know, somebody like Tasuya that, that's honing his game, adding things, uh, adding more submissions to his game, as well as having this mean streak where he will bust out a flurry of strikes and just knock you out as well if you let him. That's a mm-hmm. lethal combination on anybody. Yeah, that's it. And this is this is where we're at in this UWF division now. This is top-tier wrestling. Just to give you a kind of like how top-tier, Hiromo Takahashi went to Michinoku Pro to defend the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title against Hayato because he believes Hayato's one of those guys, which will tell you how much stakes Hiromo, and you know Hiromo loves pro wrestling more than most other guys do in modern-day wrestling. He, he puts Hayato top-notch, top-level. He's deserving of a shot at the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, and I'm going to go to his home promotion to give him that shot. That's, that's, how, that's, what, that's what people think of Hayato. He's that good. So you've got to be that good. And at the minute, Ito is not that good because he can't beat Izuchi. But it's a story to tell, isn't it, to get him back to that main event slot. So we'll see how that develops. Unfortunately, in this championship, oh, sorry, in this semifinal match, Izuchi it damaged himself that much in the, one, in the strikes with um, uh, Ito that he didn't make it to the tournament final. The alternate was Minoru Tanaka. We'll talk about that on that on the next show as we go through. But it it's been a fun, it was been a pretty cool tournament to watch. And I would just wish there was more guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's it. People just might not want to just get involved with it because they feel like they might embarrass themselves. Because yeah. if, if you watch this, you know, if, you, if you're not aware, you haven't watched the totality of Gleeden watch these guys in and out of singles and, and tags and whatnot, then coming to UWF, your mistake and easy loss in a UWF match is them not being able to wrestle at all. And that's not the case. Um, sometimes you just, you know, you, you get in somebody's uh, pond and you realize that you just, you're not necessarily be able to swim at this depth, even though you can swim. So, uh, yeah, I think some guys just don't necessarily want to, you know, deal with the, you know, all that comes with it. Some people just really don't want to potentially get knocked out. It's just not a good feeling. And we've seen that several times. So, Yeah, definitely. Right on to the semi-main event, which was kind of a tune-up match for Hayato Tamura against Masato Kamino. Kamino, the former number one contender to the G-Rex Championship. Tamura, the current number one contender to the G-Rex Championship. Kind of supposed to be a big hospital, but Tamora put Kamina away in two minutes and 47 seconds. He wants that belt bad, and he is going to do anything to get through anybody any way he can to get to T-Hawk come version 7. And this was just a bulldozer job. Kamino just did not stand a chance in this particular match. And when you think about a guy who manhandled T-Hawk in his championship match and came within inches of beating him for the belt, this was uh, this was something else to watch, and Tamura just kind of demolished him. What's your thoughts on this one, Marcus? Yeah, it's uh, it, it kind of almost throws me back to that that mania match that Michaels had with uh, Cena all those years ago when he was like he was like Cena beat me, but he wasn't a better man. Uh, 
and kind of feels like Hayato is very much in that zone. And we've talked about this before, you know, just how brilliant he was in tag team mm-hmm. and then being able to transfer that over uh, into singles so seamlessly as, you know, as he has. I'm like, you know, I always talk about, because uh, they got the right part in their name, Bulk Orchestra. Because um, these, these ain't no small guys. And, and Hayato is just stacked. Um, and then when he gets in that zone, he's another one that can absolutely just bulldog you. And that's what he did in this match. Like that, that when you, the you first you WF match we talked about with uh, Izuka and, and Watanabe, you know, you blinked and you missed it, but you were very much kind of glued the whole time with this one. Like literally you blinked and you missed it for a second. You dropped something, went to pick it up and came back. And Ayatu was like, you having his hand raised. It's like, oh, wow. He is, uh, He's in the mood right now. You know? <laughs> so, like you said, he's doing very much anything to get back to that situation because he feels like, and it felt like, and that's kind of, I mean, that's basically what it was. He was inches away from winning that match. Um, and I think, again, that's that's kind of been the the thing about the T-Hawk reign that we've kind of talked about since its inception uh, uh, about what, what the sense of urgency and, and, and the veracity in which his opponents are applying the pressure is bringing out of him uh, as opposed to, you know, just the energy that he's necessarily bringing to the thing kind of a la what, you know, the previous champions have. is like what, what his opponents are bringing out of him. So, you know, uh, tomorrow's coming back. You know, that, that back of the line thing is not sitting well with him right now. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, yeah, just ever since the match with Ishikawa, um, T-Hawk's kind of been an uphill battle against guys who are much bigger than he is and he's taken the path of least resistance, it is like any means necessary to win these matches, so what he pulls out against Tamora is going to be have to be something special, but well that's, that's going to be something to watch and he's the reason why big cards are big cards, because you promote big matches to be big matches, and that's where we are yeah um, surprisingly, we closed this match out with a multi-man tag. J.D. Lee, Junjay, El Lindemann, and T-Hook of Strong Hearts that went up against Black Generations, Harley Jackson, Keito Ishida, Keiichi Sato, and Katara Suzuki. Four minutes and 44 seconds with Junjay getting a pinfall over... Sorry, J.D. Lee getting a pinfall over Keiichi Sato. Unusual. That was the first pinfall win, I think, for J.D. Lee on this entire tour that he's been with Glee for since he came from South Korea. But... I, not really an awful lot to write home about other than that. It was just an absolute blast to watch because it was just fun. Yeah. I yeah, I just can't really say anything else about it. It didn't really push any storylines, didn't really say anything, just eight wrestlers having a wonderful wrestling match. Hartley Jackson being Hartley Jackson. I, I will I will sit and watch Hartley Jackson do the Hartley Jackson for quite some time because it's thoroughly entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> Jackson yeah. number one. Indeed he is, sir. Uh... <laughs> uh, absolutely. Um stand out in the the man goes. Uh not just for a size. But uh yeah, like you said, not, not too much to ride home about talk about this match, you know, just eight eight men, you know, uh going back and forth with it. Uh it's good to see, you know, like you said, having for J D Lee, uh Junji got his stuff in as well. Uh and, and again it's not it's not easy, you know, it's long nights you face a black mm-hmm. generation, certainly with Harley Jackson a part of the squad, but you know, if you can, you know, persevere and push through, you can get a win. And it don't hurt to being tagged up with, you know, the UWF, the current UWF champion and the former UWF champion either. So, um, yeah, like you said, just a solid outing and a good way to close the show. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so we move on then um, to Great Version X face-off. Access to, to Tokyo Dome City Hall. This was matched, with, matched up with a signing in Tokyo. We were at Shinjuku Face Arena, wrestling's favorite nightclub, 226 in attendance. And this was a packed card. They had some guests. There were some surprises. It was kind of everything Leet has to offer. And it opened with Takanori Ito and Yusuke Kadama going up against Chon Tonso. And Soma Watanabe with an absolutely blinding tag team match. Tonsha and Watanabe gave it their all, but Ito and Kadama kind of bulldozed them at the end there. It was absolutely brilliant. I really enjoyed it. And um, just so much fun. What did you think of this one? Just continue to hone and sharpen that knife as a tag team. It's, it's, it's looking more fluid and fluid. They, you know, very much uh, went back to Tonsha and, and, and Watanabe a problem for, for, for most people. Uh, but Jan's family right now is just clicking on a different level. And, and like I said, Kadama is a, is a great part of that. Obviously, you know, like I said, Ito is a uh, stud. But Kadama has been making himself, you know, very much must-see and, and um, must-go in the, these type of situations. And he closed it out here and got the win. Um, and it was impressive to see because they, they very much, you know, so much about these tag team matches is, is about, you know, ring awareness and, and uh, since I heard it in, in watching, like I said, the fluidity and the continued improvements as these, you know, not only this faction is at home with these individual tags. Like, I'm sitting there, I'm like, did they just do a 3D? I'm like, oh, okay, they, okay, they clicking. All right, they they just, just let them go. It's not like me and James ain't been calling for several different variations of great teams you put together to win those tag titles with throwing the Throwing another one out here now. We will do so. And how much greatly impressive they would look like throwing that move on those big oak trees uh, that are current champions right now. But yeah, this was uh, this was great. You know, two eight teams. But again, Yon's family is just clicking on the di- in a different way right now. I, I, I was they're on, they're on this card later on, but the Saito brothers managed to finish second in the Tokyo. Pro Sports um, Tag Team of the Year award behind Bishimon, and I was like, "You are watching the same tag team I did, right?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. really? <laughs> like, oh, your generosity knows no bounds, right? Yeah, now. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I mean, I mean, the Tokyo Sports is, it's like people like Kobayashi, they, they vote on it. It's like all the old pros they can find vote on it, and it's like, well, if. If Kenta Kobayashi thinks they're all right, then I guess they're okay then. <laughs> oh, but there we go. Um, oh, next up, this was so much fun. Battle Royal, uh, Monsters Battle Royal, if you will. And it doesn't get much more monster than this lineup. Masato Kamuna from Yan's family, Hartley Jackson of uh, Black Generation International, Galino Dalmal from Bork Orchestra, Daisuke Sekimoto from Big Japan for Women's Wrestling, and then everything went dark and hellion. <laughs> By uh, Judas Priest, come on! I was like, it can't be, and it was Aja Kong <laughs> in all of her glory, stalking ringside, chewing gum, and looking like she wanted to hurt people. <sighs> all is right with the world. Six minutes and nineteen seconds. This is the shortest battle royal I've ever seen, but by God, it was a blast in the meantime. <laughs> Just watching Aja Kong spinning back fists, myself to Camino in the face. And him just going, oh, hell. Yes, this was just a blast to watch. Um, unfortunately, Aja didn't win, but it took two of them to beat her. So there you go. 
it was actually won by Galina Demar. What did you think of this, Marcus? Oh, this is a great card outing. Great stuff. Uh, like I said, that card, the Kong uh, sighting was uh, surprising, but greatly appreciated. And it, this was properly booked under 10 minutes, yeah, under seven minutes. And it came down to who it should have came down to. And, uh, you know, you're looking at it, it's like, yes, Maul and Jackson, and they did what you would expect those guys to do. And like uh, like we talked about, you know, you got this, you know, uh, Goliath and Galeno uh, with, with, with that Lucha Flair, and he's closing out Harley Jackson, which now seems to be the way to close him out. Uh, when the smaller guys, it's, it's multiple aerial. Um, maneuvers and with Galeno it's just one be like what is he finna do uh killed it with the frog splash he can never go wrong with a with a classic frog splash RIP <laughs> uh, to the late great Eddie Guerrero uh but yeah yeah I did that man coming off the top you know it's a great thing to see and he closed it out and Galeno won uh which you can only appreciate absolutely Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it was it was just fun watching Aja Kong in this context as well, because it's like, she is the biggest, baddest monster of all. We saved the biggest one and baddest one to the last, because she's Aja Kong. And there's, <laughs> a li- and there's a line of her old theme music from the 1980s said that God made the devil just for fun. When he wanted the real thing, he made Aja Kong. Oh, that's good. Please tell me that's on a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I have to find it. It should be on a shirt. Someone should have put it on a shirt by now. But that was the lyrics to the I'll send you the jungle theme at some point so you can listen to it because they they debuted it. This that was that they debuted that theme at the Tokyo Dome. (laughs) Oh, that's great. 50,000 people in attendance. She came down the aisle with this brilliant new theme. I think they spent almost like a million dollars on her entrance or some ridiculous amount of money. AJW did insane. But there you go. They they were trying to build. They were. Biggest women's wrestling show of all time, or mostly yeah. women on it show. Yeah, Anywho, that, yeah, uh, that's such a great move, by the way. Going back to Aja Kong and, and shout out to Kings as well. That, that just shows you the amount of proverbial f's the individual doesn't give when when their main closing weapon is a spinning back fist. <laughs> <laughs> if she need, if she needs it, she's got one hell of a brain buster. But yeah. she can usually get the job done with a spinning back fist. That's yeah. where that's where Eddie got the, the got his finish the back the backfist of the future from. He he was a big Aja Kong fan as well. As he should. Yeah, yeah. And Eddie Eddie loves wrestling. All kinds of wrestling. Watched every form of wrestling there is. There isn't much wrestling Eddie hasn't watched, you know. And um, he, he he loves he loves Kawada and he loves Aja Kong. And there you go. <laughs> and he, he, and uses the Northern Lights bomb as well, which is um was invented by uh, Akira Hokuto. She's he's very good Joshu influence. A lot, a lot of those Shikara guys were though. Um, even Orange Cassidy does a lot of the Joshi stuff that or stuff I've seen in Joshi matches. Um, that I haven't really seen anywhere else. But anyway, six man tag next. El Lindeman in a seat on Itsaka, on loan from Yam's family, with the blessings of Yam's family. Going up and Kazhashi going up against Black Generation International with uh, their special guest, Hanoka. Hanoka, can't pronounce that. Hanoka. Um, the freelancer who does drop in every once in a while just to tag with Glate, uh, tag with Black Generation International, you know, hanging out with his mates like Suzuki and stuff. Uh, this was a fun match, which uh, the good guys won. And then there were other things that happened afterwards, but let's talk about the match first. What did you think of this? 
Oh, this was good. This was great. Um, you know, like you said, uh, Issei on, on loan for a minute, you know, team with Linderman and, and Kazayashi, that's a great trio, um, uh, my opinion. And, uh, like I said, switched up the, switched up the combo for black generation. It was, it was a cool outing, but, uh, you know, let them close it out with, and then multiple guys. Uh, I feel like closed out on this on this show, but as um, multiple guys on the roster have it, closed it out with that great uh, German. Uh, you know, one of my my personal favorites. I think they're bridging German. So, hmm. yeah, just uh, got beat by experience, man. That's all that came down to. Absolutely. And after the match, uh, Kazayashi introduced a special guest who will be appearing at Glate version seven. And he was there for the signing that day. A man who, well, he has to have an introduction because it usually lasts seven or eight minutes, often longer than his matches do. Mr. Ricky Mangiro, uh, we last saw Ultimate Party for DDT, but is a freelancer these days and is going to do some a shot with Glee. In version seven, he will be tagging with Brandon Cutler and Colt Cabana against Kaz Hayashi, uh, L. Lindemann, and Inisei Onitskaya uh, in an international tag team match. Um, and you know, he's, since he's come off his WWE run, he has got lots of work, <laughs> as you can imagine. Wrestles for everybody these days, you know. Puts his hand in everywhere, and you know, he's top. He's top entertainment. Isn't he? He's you know, he, his matches never tear the world up, but he's entertaining, and that's that's what I like about him. <laughs> yeah. Any thoughts on that, Marcus? Oh, say that last part again. Any uh-huh. thoughts on Ikimenjiro's um, impending debut for Glate? I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. Like I said, that that's Glate has made their post matches as as interesting um, as the matches themselves. Like you always, like I said, that's the, the the great thing about you know you're not you're not always there's no real waiting or, or you know I wonder what's going to happen next. No, they directly tell you, <laughs> let you know what's going to happen next. <laughs> Uh, right after these matches, and 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 it keeps things flowing, you know, you know, without any gaps, if you will. If we're on radio, that there's no no empty spaces, because uh, that's all oftentimes the the bad thing uh, when you have space. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just something else I'm looking forward to, and, and much like what we talked about with uh, collaboration with TNA, Gleet has just been having these great surprises and, and seeing the to probably know how to use these working relationships to benefit everybody. Indeed. And speaking of working relationships that have worked well, there has been a strong working ship with Jobs Tap Out and Glate since the beginning of the Glate organization. And one of the strongest members of the Glate roster, who's actually a J2O member, uh, JTO member, is AOI, member of Diamond Egoist. But her and Michiko have not been getting along as of late, and this was a match. Essentially, this was a televised existential crisis is the best way I can put this. Uh, Michiko against AUI. Michiko, the heavy favorite, much bigger, much more experienced, and momentum on her side. And she loses to a clockhead scissors and arm lock that was absolutely vicious. Well, no, she didn't, because she lost to Cremation Lily. (laughs) That's what she lost to in the end. After an arm injury in the match, which AOI picked apart mercilessly, she went full Zack Sabre Jr. and got that cremation lily onto Michiko, and that was all she wrote. She hung on as long as she possibly could, but you can't keep up that kind of pressure with an, a submission expert like AOI, and that was the match. Thoroughly engrossing as it was, 
Um, it does put Michiko in a bit of a spot, which we'll talk about afterwards, because the leader of Diamond Egoist lost to her number one acolyte, the JTO, JTO champion, AOI. Marcus, what are your thoughts and feelings on this emotional matchup? And the student possibly becomes the master. Mm. Um, yeah, this was great. This in the next match, um, also we got, you know, get down a little to the call, but these two matches was really good. I mean, we always have a different appreciation for the, the women who, who deliver on a different level, but I did, this is the first time I think since, is this the first time since, this, uh, since we first see them uh, when they debut with Prejudice um, that we've had like a one-on-one between Diamond Eagleist on the show? Yeah, definitely. So this is that special for that regard because they've been essentially running rough shot and, and finding bumps here and there as um, you know, people have, have, have uh scurried to find, you know, those who would be brave enough and bold enough and had the a level of uh, perseverance to beat Diamond Eagles. But um yeah, this was this was different because I think it, it wasn't until the last couple matches that we've seen bits of miscommunication which has really been seemingly the only chinks in the armor. Um, as we know, Michigo has been, you know, leading obviously the fray. But here, it did seem like, to your point, like you said, Ayo kind of had an outmatch going to full Zack Sabre Jr. tackling the arm and locking on that 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 great submission towards the end there and really just closed out in a different way. Obviously, she, Michigo didn't get um, bulldog the whole match, as I use that term on the other show. But uh, she really didn't have... You know anything to answer? You know the the, the main foundation of, of of the game that Ayo was bringing to us. So, like you said, this very much puts another kind of kind of mm-hmm. hole in the in the in the narrative of the faction, and and kind of puts Michigo very much in, like you said, in the awkward state. Yes, because <laughs> at the end of the match, Yukiro Hosokawa came down to ringside, the former protege of Michiko, who's been. Running rough, running at her for about the best part of a year, um, headlong, who offered her friendship. And this will lead to a tag team match at version seven, which will be Seke Unagi and AOI versus Michiko and Osakawa in essentially a battle for the soul of the women's division in Glate. This is pretty big, isn't it? Yeah. It's almost it's kind of, I guess, you know, probably probably not how we saw it, but ultimately, I guess, in, the, in a lot of ways, what it's ultimately been building to one way or the other. Uh, just probably not in this particular version. Uh, but I think that's the beauty of it, because obviously we, we've we talked about the journey of, of, of Michigo dating back to before Diamond Eagleist and kind of where she was going, what she was going to do. And then, you know, she kind of, you know, redebuted, if you will, with this faction and, and, and really having a sense of purpose and, uh, presentation and grittiness to herself, but now things are kind of looking like they're coming to a head in a different way, and it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. But it's been great throughout because it's, it's allowed so many of these women to show up and show out in, in, a, in a different way uh, that's really had a like a narrative stick to it, to it because it's it's a, it's allowed things to, to really stay uh, consistent with what the uh, direction is bringing us like this this new force has come along and we have to take them down uh, because you know it's kind of like feels like with the women how it felt like when black generation first showed up mm, yeah it's uh it, it's created you know some really healthy story and great matches as a result yeah um and it's it's i mean look how well Janelle kai's done since she came back to the state she's mlw 
uh, featherweight champion. She's one of the biggest names in the US indie scene now, as far as women's concerned. She is going to go far. I said she was the future of wrestling three years ago, and I still stand by that statement. I think she is absolutely amazing. And what she's done in, in um, Diamond Ecoist has been essentially for one long tour and she did amazingly well and it's kind of made her in the states and hopefully she comes back to kind of help finish the story i hope she does anyway if she's availability is there she's a very busy young lady these days which is really cool now then speaking of something a bit more serious uh, there's no real beef these days between bull orchestra and black generation international they kind of just kind of rub along to get along however this was a single match butch between Keito Ishida, the leader of that generation international, and Raichu Kawakami, the leader of Bulk Orchestra. Now, Kawakami has been seen as a bit of a comedy leader in Bulk Orchestra because, you know, he keeps saying he's the leaders and the others kind of like agree with it, so he shuts up. But this was, you know, two leaders of a faction going head to head, and they both took it very, very seriously. Ishida took it out at 11 minutes and 31 seconds, but this was by no means a one-sided affair. Kawakami, who we have joked about for the last two years, needs to get his act together, got his act together. And this was uh, a winning loss, if you see what I mean. What did you think of this one, Marcus? That's the perfect way to describe a winning loss. Like you said, this is this is the type of situation we need to see more frequently with Kawakami, because there are no jokes going against Kato Ishida. Uh, you don't really have time for it. You know, you're very much dictated the pace on the outset of this uh, match in a lot of ways feeling like he was pulling Borg orchestra tactics with the outsideness of it, if you will, um, kind of playing the call back on him. Uh, but then, you know, he got him back in the ring and, and then Kyle Kami kind of, you know, showed, you know, showed up and, and showed up in his own way, very much giving Kato one for his money in that regard. But I think Kato is uh, as a former, um, you know, champion, uh, you know, it's kind of been in more wars, if you will, in that regard. So, you know, that, that kind of played in, into it, like I said, by no means on one side mm -hmm. of the fabric. Kato was definitely on a different level and closed it out. Um, so, like you said, a solid, solid outing, but I think this this puts, like you said, our comment in a different conversation because it was a winning loss. You know, there's nothing to shake a stick in, like I said, because you don't have time to be comedic in any way of Ishido. You might not walk out. Um, you know, Kawakami had to show up in a different way. So hopefully this is the start of something where, you know, maybe he sees like, look, leader, leader or not, I got to kind of put myself in, in, in more situation to be not only taken more seriously, but potential, potentially in, in title contention because, you know, he's the leader of essentially dogs. Like his everybody else in the faction has very much been going at it. As we're about to get to in this next match, but very much, you know, had, you know, goals and ambitions of their own, have been absolutely going after it. And he's kind of been left in the dust in certain instances. And this was an opportunity for him to, you know, get out of that. So like I said, a winning loss to Pebble, there was one for him. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um Next up, we had an interesting six-man tag team match, which kind of pitted two very different teams together. Chuck Shimitami, Hayata Tamara, and Kazuma Sakamoto. Arguably the three serious members of Mork Orchestra. <laughs> exactly. um, going up against T-Hawk, tagging with the current G-Infinity tag team champions, Yun and Rei Sato. Now, Voodoo Murders came in as kind of a disrupting force many months ago, but have kind of settled into 
the Gawaite kind of firmament, if you will. So it's acceptable that T-Hawk was tagging with them. But again, it does show you the, the lengths that T-Hawk will go to to get to Hayata tomorrow and get in his head, because that's what this match was about. It wasn't necessarily so much about the tag team champions and the heavyweight champion teaming together, though that was an awesome draw for the company. It was more about laying out the match for Tamura and T-Hawk at, at version 7. And here is another stick in the, the whole thing. Uh, as T-Hawk and Voodoo Murders take the win in 18 minutes and 23 seconds, but it was 18 minutes and 23 seconds of some seriously good wrestling and some seriously good storytelling. Uh, Marcus, what's your thoughts on this? All right with you, my friend. Um, that was the match. The Voodoo Murders were there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're not doing that Voodoo murdery thing as they do. Um, and so were the other members of Boko Kesha, you know, uh, never to be left out of the fray. But this was very much, um, like you said, Hayato with T-Hawk, and that's where my attention was primarily honed in on for the match when when they were in the ring. Um, it very much felt like the a bit of a prelude to the storm, if you will, like you said, leading up to the big match and to the point where it got to the end. And I think that's been my favorite part about T-Hawk's reign, you know, regardless of what, I guess, preconceived notions of maybe potentially ideas he had of being champion the competition has honed him in such a way to your point where he doesn't care the, the only goal is to show up show whatever he's showing out with but ultimately leave the way he came in that's ass champion by any means necessary so now getting to the point at the end of the match where he's essentially putting Hayato's boy away and, and with his finish in a very cocky fashion and hitting him with the under chin wave salute if you will um, but then a different level of cockiness, that was just the, the chef's kiss, you know? So like you said that, you know, obviously the solid outing, I mean, it's almost 20 minutes and almost 20 minute match in Gleetis is a solid outing unless it's an outright clown affair, which we've seen, but this was not that. Um, and then that's, that's the story of this match, you know, leading with, with these two and, and T-Hawk kind of very much got the, uh, proverbial upper hand here leading off into that match and, and seems to kind of be on a high horse right now which we know Hayato has every intention on knocking his block off and knocking him off that horse because again as we talked about with another individual if he takes his eyes off the ball and underestimates Hayato in any way he can kiss that championship goodbye because Hayato is not coming to lose twice absolutely, absolutely. and that's the thing that's, that's the thing that intrigues me about version seven this we've said it before because we said it with ishikawa here's a guy who's perfectly capable of carrying that belt he's a championship level wrestler we said it with kamino he did it for basara so why can't he do it for glade and um, now here's a guy who's from the company we know what a great champion he would make and he has momentum on his side so let's see what happens at version seven but we had one more thing to decide at version seven and that was the challenger to hayato's UWF Lidette Championship. Minoru Tanaka defeats Tetsuya Zuchiki in 9 minutes and 20 seconds in another battle, um, another war of attrition. And I like this main event because it's kind of like... I'll explain that when we talk about that. But let's talk about this match first because this match deserves everything. It, it was a thriller, an absolute thriller. I think... Glate has kind of had an awkward kind of relationship with the UWF in the sense that the match content's always been good, but kind of disorganized, <laughs> if you see what I mean. It's mm. like there's a crispness to the matches now because 
people are more experienced in doing them essentially so the storytelling has got an awful lot better and it's the most basic version of professional wrestling you can possibly imagine you know this is no running the ropes no coming off the top rope this is just leg locks and chin locks and straight wrestling and that that isn't necessarily the most entertaining thing for a lot of people to watch but i mean obviously it's for me yeah, <laughs> me, but, yeah. yeah but it, it the, the the fact that this you can have matches like this that have such restrictions on them and still make them wonderfully entertaining and i think as well this is kind of you know just as the company has kind of got comfortable with itself to present this stuff in the way it needs to and that's that's another kind of like shows the strength of the organization at the moment what did you think of this match marcus again if I'm if I'm looking at somebody who you know very much wants to look at one of these matches and ask for a recommendation, I'm 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 pointing them to this match. This is this is the this is the beauty of these matches, these walls of attrition, this body chest, if you will. Um, this was on full display. I mean, you you got the the could you know uh, Suya's, you know uh, fiery passion. And, and will to win and get that spot and that, that shot. Uh, and just his overall fervor, compete with the overall veteran, the honed veteran instincts and skill set of, of Minoru. And it, I mean, that's, that's the class that you got here. And at every point of this match, that's that's what it felt like. Uh, because he very much was had to stay in his, his bag of like firing up to really come back because Tanaka was catching him brilliantly at points where, you know, Tatsuya thought he had him. And then really, you know, it, it was Tanaka that was, you know, leading him in that regard. So the fact that he was able to fire up and fire back and really put the vet in, in, in very dangerous territory, but ultimately getting caught every time and losing it, it, again it just shows that you know no matter how good you are in these situations anybody and everybody can be knocked off you know in a moment's notice but again that's the ultimate beauty of these uh these situations in these matches um so yeah it's just you know go watch this match this to me is is, is for, for this call go watch this match this is why you do it this is why it uh happens and this was this is a match they they definitely I could I could have them run back again. This could actually went uh, you know longer, but obviously that's not how these matches are dictated. But this was this was just brilliant. I completely agree. It's going to be interesting to see how this one plays out um, as far as the main events could. And we may as well have a look at this guy because I'd like to see your opinion on it. The show opens with JD Lee, Jun Tan Show, and Susumu going up against. Um, Hartley Jackson, Katoa Suzuki, and Keiichi Sato of Black Generation International. That's your opener. Any thoughts there? You said JD Lee and who? Uh, Jun Tansho. Uh, sorry, yeah, Jun Tansho and uh, Susumu. No, that's a that's a solid opener. Going, you said Hartley Jackson and who else? Uh, Katoa Suzuki and Seichi. Uh, <laughs> can't remember his name. <laughs> Hang on a second. Let me look at the card. Uh, Sato, Ray Sato, that was it. Sorry. No, that should be. I mean, again, again, you never get disappointed with lead openers or closers. So that's, um, you know, particularly that combination of Tom Shaw and Sumi. Looking forward to seeing what they what they can do. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
We'll have to see what happens there. Some good fun stuff. The next match will have Bulk Orchestra, Quiet Storm, uh, Kawakami, and Galino Dalmal versus Kodama, Takanori Ito. And uh, for some reason, um, they'll be tagging with. Um, um, I've forgotten his name. Hang on a minute. <laughs> Ed Butts. Oh, God. I've just completely blanked, and maybe for the good reason. Tommy Akahoma, there we go. Yeah, whatever, well, he's involved. Uh, <laughs> that's always an interesting thing in his way, but yeah, uh, that, like I said, that's going to be a long night, you know, BGI. So, uh, very much, I could see them taking the win here. I would hope so. Ikimanjiro, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bolt, <laughs> um, oh, Colt Cabana, and um, his tag team partner. <laughs> Cole, no, not Cole Cabana. The other guy. He was in the Elite. What's his name? <laughs> oh, in the Elite. Cole Cabana. It was also Butchering the Blade, him. Brandon Cutler, there you go, that's the one. Oh, yeah, there you go. They're going, up against, they're going up against Kazayashi, <laughs> L. Linderman, and um, Ines A. Onitsaka. And they will be taking the L. <laughs> 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 That was that, yeah. The, the special guests of AEW. Um, going from the sublime to the ridiculous, we'll have Sayami Unaki in AOI going up against Michiko and Yuki Hosokawa. This will be dark, dark times, I feel. <laughs> yeah. Someone's right. getting their edge in. Yeah, good times for us, dark times for them. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just looking forward to, like I said, um, and this will be what the 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 first uh, women's match on the card, correct? Yes. Good. Good. Um, yes. As, we, as we've been calling for more uh, <clears throat> women's matches on the show, so yeah, very much looking forward to this. Like you said, somebody's gonna get the head kicked in. Hopefully, uh, nobody gets you know uh, badly hurt or knocked out in that regard. But these women, you know, they always deliver. So I'm just I don't know necessarily how this gonna go because it's very much been back and forth all all year, um, which has been great. But uh, considering it started so one-sided with 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 things, but uh, very much looking forward to it. Um, next up, we have Kazma Sakamoto and Chuck Shimatami Bulk Orchestra going up against SBK and Takuma, making their return to Glate. That should be violent. Is yeah. the, the word I'm going to use there? Yeah, <laughs> violent. I'm going to add on the side of of home team and, and go with Bulk Orchestra. But like I said, we have been seeing them. You know, people find a certain chinks in their armor, uh, but but uh, Tommy and, and Sakamoto are two of the most serious versions of both history you're going to get. So um, if they go down, they're they, they not going to go down without a fight. Um, yeah, and it's going to be fun to watch, I think, as well. It's, uh, it, it's one of those things. It's going to be um, an interesting... Um, kind of mixed match of styles as well. It's two guys who are very lucha orientated versus two big muscle guys. So that's that's gonna be interesting. Yeah. Uh in a UWF match, uh, former K1 fighter Ricky Ataki goes up against Tetsuya Izuchi. Um this is kind of an interesting kind of shoot fight, uh shooter versus wrestler kind of deal. I'm intrigued by that. I think Ataki would probably win with his experience on his side. I'm a, I'm gonna pull because of what we just saw coming off of uh, the match he just had. I'm I'm gonna pull for the young gun on this one. Ah, it's intriguing. 
a literal point away from beating Tanaka, which is nothing to shake a stick at. The fact that he got him down by that many points um, is it, saying a lot because Tanaka is just so uh, aggressively reserved in, in a way that's, you know, like I said, it speaks to a level of pause and experience, obviously, uh, befitting a veteran of his status. But, uh, you know, to see you put the gas on, I feel like, if the, you know, certain adjustments would have been made. That match goes a different way. So I'm looking to see him avenge that loss here. We have another UWF match as well. JTO's Inaba sisters, Tamako Inaba and Azuma Inaba. We have both seen both of them wrestle for Glate over the last 12 months. Will take on Maya Fukuda and the three-time AEW Women's Heavyweight Champion of the World, Hikura Shida, in a UWF Ledet fight. That will be extremely interesting to see this how might, that develops. Sorry, this might, this might be the second show of the night. I mean, second uh, uh, match of the night. Um, the novels, the novels, are nothing to shake a stick at. My girl Fukuda uh, could use certainly use some uh, breath of momentum. Like you said, former uh, tagging with the former champion. This is gonna be good. This is gonna be Booker T's. It's gonna be good. I, I I have seen Hikuru Shida hand out ass whoopings to all kinds of people in a way she doesn't really get a chance to do in AEW because that you know she's got to be a bit reserved as a main event level wrestler in AEW. But this is this is the woman who wore Arjun Kong's blood on her tights for three months just to say, "Hey, I beat you up." <laughs> Playing to the crowd there that she just won't have to do here. Yes, exactly. And then, in another UWF match, the UWF Championship, Hayato defending against Minoru Tanaka, arguably Generation X's greatest crossover mixed martial artist, shoot-fighting wrestler, against the current generation's greatest crossover shoot-fighting wrestler. This is going to be chess match wrestling of the highest order. I am so looking forward to this. What's your thoughts on this one? Same here. Get the popcorn ready. Get your ice packs out. Um... But, uh, you know, this is going to be great from every angle. But I'm looking at, and I'm hoping that the OG Tanaka, uh, Mr. Stay Hydrated himself, uh, pull, pulls it out and, bring, and brings the title home for the home team. Well, you'll see, have to see where it goes. Because Hayato has had a quiet year in Michinoku Pro. So we'll see what goes on there. Kato Ishida will wrestle Takehiro Yamamura in his return to professional wrestling for the first time in six years. This has to be something special. They don't come out of retirement unless it's going to be good, do you? So this this has got to be something that we will be talking about for quite some time, I think. Look, man, BGI leader, Keito Oshida, stud, but there's there's a there's an ongoing story in Gleaders we've been covering about these OG vets coming back um, in situations like this, and and they don't they, they, you know it's, it don't be a mismatch. A lot of these guys have a certain level of poise and and um, you know deep deep hidden aggression about themselves that comes out in the right scenarios, and they end up overcoming these young guns. Um, so I'm gonna just I'm gonna just save my right to just be a fan for this one. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have the first of the two major championship matches. No, sorry, three. The second of the three major championship matches of the night. 
Sumo Watanabe and Yu Susumu will take their shot at Jun and Kei Sato of Voodoo Murders and All Japan Pro Wrestling, the current G Infinity Tag Team Champions. Can they knock down those two big redwoods? God, yes, please, yes, yes, please, please, yes. <laughs> I'm going to say they're going to come close with no cigar. And I'm going to say because I'm hoping that that the the Gleet booking gods are listening <laughs> us and, and, and save <clears throat> that big knockoff for Yon's family. Hmm. I hope so. We'll see what happens. Mr. Suzuki, if you're listening. Hiya. Um, <laughs> you have listened to us in the past, or maybe it was just a complete coincidence, but, you know, there we go. Your main event of the evening will be T-Hawk defending the G-Rex Championship against Hayato tomorrow, the number one contender. <sighs> this December 30th match of the year doesn't end until December 30th, does it? And this could be match of the year. Just saying, not for Glate. This could be match of the year for everybody. Hopefully, Voices of Wrestling will send me a message and say, "Hey, Troopany Show, Troopany Show contributors, do you want to talk? Who's the greatest wrestling had the greatest wrestling match of 2023?" And I am hoping, and I have a very good feeling that this is the kind of match that T Hawk's been having for the last six months, and could be the one that pushes him over the edge in this particular title reign. Now, whether that title reign lasts longer than, say, ooh, 25 minutes after the bell goes, I have a feeling tomorrow could, tomorrow could sneak it. But we'll see, won't we? And that is the joy of professional wrestling. But I have a feeling this could be something very special. indeed. What's your thoughts on this one, Marcus? Uh, you said it all. You said it all. Definitely some special match. Your candidate written all over it, um, particularly with the bill that we've been seeing. Um, the, the, the rise that we've been seeing in tomorrow coming off of that fantastic tag run. Um, very much immediately putting himself in position to elevate. Um, yeah. Yeah, this is, this, this is going to be the match that, you know, <laughs> I don't know I'm going to say this before, but you need to go watch this match. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, so it's uh, one of those things. Like I said, this you know, I'll line this card. This is a phenomenal card. Lead always delivers with these big shows. Um, but yeah, I'm very much looking forward to seeing here. And 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 you know, as much as the greatest T Hawk has been, even before he was champion, and certainly, like I said, it's had a very interesting story as champion. You know, I'm I'm kind of I'm leaning towards your wisdom and, and looking to see to more possibly pull it out because it, it would be a great moment and a continued. Um, you know, piece of, of the constant up and down and uh, story with, with Bulk Orchestra across the entire foundation of Glee, you know, you know, from, you know, top guys of the faction, to, you know, the, the tag team. And, you know, now to have a guy finally on top is, is uh, the guy, if you will, I think would be a great added element to this, the overall story as, you know, a pillar in that in that thing. But as you said, you never know how this goes. And I'm sure in classic lead fashion, even with a phenomenal match, they'll have something immediately set up <laughs> after the bell. So, yeah. Who's currently out of contract? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who's currently uh, out of uh, contract? I know, I know who will be out of contract as of January the 4th. 
Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Your guy. <laughs> the guy. I was just thinking about that. Yeah, I worry if he, the bell goes and the lights come up and then there's a coin drop. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's so many ways to do that too. Because you could do the coin drop, or you could just have like, like somebody drop one of his bucks from the ceiling and he picks it and and the winner oh, picks yeah. it. Oh yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> Lights go out now. You see in the ring is a what the hell is this? An Okada buck. Yeah. <laughs> it's just oh it's possible. Everything's possible in this great of all possible worlds. We, I mean we don't know. We yeah. will have to see what Okada's wants to do. I'm still erring towards the fact that Okada's wife works for the company that owns New Japan Pro Wrestling. And oh wow. Because, you know, she works for Bushy Road. I think the odds are he's probably staying put, but I mean, there's been talk of WWE because he's never done it before. And it's apparently that's the reason why Nakamura got a push. And I'm like, okay, so they're only pushing you to get somebody else. That that seems mildly offensive, apparently. <laughs> oh, you know? That's my first time hearing that. That sucks so hard because he's not yeah. been this hot since he originally debuted in NXT. Yeah, so it is like, but apparently the one guys, this wrestling rumors could be anything. Could actually genuinely be getting a push because they want to give him a push. And yeah. surely going into the Royal Rumble, you want your biggest players <laughs> getting a push. Sorry, I sneezed then. I might have to no, edit that you. out. It's okay. I don't know if I was quick enough with the, with the mic button. We'll see. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see, won't we? And it, there's so many, there's so many things you could do with this if it, if it's possible. But it, you know, it's it. This is the thing. New Japan contracts end on the first of January, or around about the fifth of January, because they, because yeah, yeah. obviously they're going to sign you to give you a build if you're going to stay around. So then it doesn't always work out. Tanahashi didn't get re-signed one year because they stuffed up the deadline. Oh and, wow! And he wasn't big enough. He was like, he was pretty safe because he wasn't like, he's not the transferable star. I don't think that that. Akada is, and also I think he wanted to stay in New Japan. So whilst they, whilst they sorted it out, he went to All Japan and wrestled as a heel for six months. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, he wanted to do Championship Carnival because he was always busy in New Japan. So it was like he wanted to wrestle the All Japan Championship Carnival because it's like, why wouldn't you? It's a historic, historic tournament. You know, people who have won that have been amazing. So you, you know, like. Um, Kobayashi and Misawa and all those guys won it. He wanted to go do it, and so he went and did it yeah. as a heel because he doesn't get to play heel very often because he's Hiroshi Tanahashi. <laughs> it's interesting. You also uh, kind of think about like what if like Okada did the, like the, the Styles thing, uh, where he basically freelanced it for a while. Yeah, you know, I think you know obviously he you know AJ would then go to New Japan and then you know the uh, rest is WWE history, but. If he kind of if Okada freelanced for a while, but then I think about him like that's seemingly what he's been able to do as part of New Japan. Like he's been all <laughs> so. I think yeah. I yeah. I mean, I think I think he wanted to wrestle an impact to kind of go back to where he was to kind of bury the ghosts of his previous incarnation when he was on excursion there. Mm-hmm. I think he probably wanted to do that. I know he always his mates with the books and his mates with Kenny and his mates with Ekotas. So you know. AEW is always going to be an option that's open for him, and he may earn ridiculous money if he goes there. And look at the dream matches he could have whilst he's there. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, going to a friendly place to work, but probably wouldn't mind him going back to New Japan, you know. Um, 
but WWE is always an option. But it's it's a he's thirty six. He's got ten productive years left as a wrestler in a main event capacity. And then you know it's how when do you start the downward push? Because like he's done everything he can in New Japan. Yeah. But Tanahashi's been on a downward push for the best part of a decade and doesn't seem to be any worse off. You know. <laughs> he's still game matches at Wrestle Kingdom. You know, he's wrestling Zack Sabre Jr. at Wrestle Kingdom for the TV championship. You know, it, it's like they will always have Tanahashi bubbling under because he is break glass in case of emergency wrestler. Yeah. Um, and Okada's kind of getting to that position now because they have to break new stars. They have to. You know, they just can't go on yeah. with the same crew at the top. And, you know, I'm not being funny. Losing Okada, not losing Okada, but losing Osprey and losing Ibushi and a couple of others has, um, sorry, Jay White has not been bad because it means you have to bring people up. Yeah. You know, and it is like, and if you look back in Japanese wrestling history, when um, uh, Junichiro Tenru left All Japan to form SWS originally, and he took a good chunk of the old Japan roster with him, Baba had to work for Pill for the first time in 20 years. And he had to make new guys. So Kawada becomes the top guy because there's no one left. He phases down Stan Hansen and replaces them with Terry Gordy and Steve Williams and then brings Steve Williams up. He brings up Masawa, he brings up Kobayashi, he brings up Akiyama. Oh, look, there's the greatest generation of professional male professional wrestlers ever. Let's make millions for months on end. You know, yeah. you know, it, it didn't do the company badly. It, it clear outside WWE in the early '90s when Hall and Nash and Hogan and Savage and they all left for WCW and the big money. WWE had to, WWF had to make stars. You get Shawn Michaels, you get Bret Hart, you get the Undertaker, Mick Foley, Steve Austin, The Rock. Yeah. Yes. Not a bad yeah. selection of people. <laughs> and, and, and sadly, well, on WWE side, a lot of times it's, it's situations, particularly in the, in the latter years, maybe in the last decade or so, you see names like uh, it's almost taking, you know, people of their own fruition, like, you know, CM Punk and Sasha Banks to leave for stars like Daniel Bryan or say uh, Bianca Belair to get the proper pushes yeah. Uh, yeah, uninterrupted that they need to shine. Because otherwise, they just you know the company's just gonna lean on their, their same old same olds. And uh, in, in that regard, I mean, we feel like we just had this conversation in terms of new uh, Japan in regards to the junior division, talking about World Tag League. Mm. You know, they have to they have to build that thing up in, in, in a new way. You know, Kushida's out. You know, uh, uh, you know, obviously we you know we love Bushi and, and Takahashi is absolutely the stud, but there have to be people behind them to come take those mantles. Uh, or not, you're gonna have to become stale, you know. And essentially, I, 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 I love talking about the New Japan Junior division at the minute because it's the most interesting thing going on in the company. Yeah. But essentially, they've made that the storyline of the company with Desperado trying to make Wato see he could be the superstar, he could be the guy. You just have to stop acting like you do. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Desperado. <laughs> Desperado. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because it's like Desperado. I was talking with Christy about this earlier this week, and it's just like he was so when Ren Narita turned on Shooter Umino and joined House of Torture, and therefore turned on Desperado and Minoru Suzuki. 
and Desperado was like gobsmacked. He was on commentary at the time and he couldn't believe what had happened. And Christy said, and this is true, he doesn't get it because look how far he's come from when he was in Suzuki Gun a year ago. He was the insecure one, as was everyone in Suzuki Gun who had to lean on each other to get by and couldn't get the job done because they were all so insecure. And now he's so sure of himself because he's found himself in this mentor role in the storyline. He's found himself in this mentor role that he didn't really want, but he has to have because he can't figure out what else to do because he doesn't really know how to be a babyface. So he's found himself mentoring Wato in how to be the ace of the division when he doesn't really believe he can be the ace of the division himself, even though he's clearly the ace of the division. <laughs> and it is just like, but that's the storyline. That's, you know, new. I don't think New Japan intended it to be the storyline, but Desperado is smart enough to make it the storyline. And that's the difference. That's that's such an interesting way too, and 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 shouts out to Chrissy talking about how far people come. Maybe that's in a way, not all too similar from from Despy. Why maybe Wato doesn't think he is the ace because of how far he's come. Yeah. Like, for it, it kind of takes, and this is maybe going back to you know a conversation, our great conversation before the pod, talking about teaching and mentorship. It's, it's almost easier for for you know an outsider to see you know, uh, where you can go, where you can go as opposed to you being able to see how far you have come because to him, you know, skill set wise and, and, and in the, the ring, he's greatly improved. But in his mind, he still might be mentally back at that space where he was essentially um, the comical father for these pods. Talk about how inexperienced and, and almost baffling he was to watch because he had a tool belt full of tools that he didn't know what to freak do with. No. You know, and maybe he still thinks that he's there and he's come leaps and bounds and the only person that can see it is Despy. So he, I mean, that's like you said, but that's the story. Him convincing Wato, um, you know, that he now, you know, has a two-bill full of tools that he absolutely knows what he's doing and, and, and you know, can be the, the building foundation for a new wave in that junior division. So, you know, but that's interesting hearing about Despy's story coming out of essentially the um the other side of the the breaking up of uh you know suzuki's faction because you know that that was always going to be a thing once that was no longer uh i guess a thing because essentially you don't the the murder grandpa's not going to ever get lost in translation however <laughs> and neither zach saber jr because he's you know he's zach saber jr but everybody else on the other hand you know, you sometimes you might, you know, like people were going to have to be thrown floaties because they were essentially going to kind of be left out in the water. But that's great that, you know, somebody like Despy has been able to come along. And who would have thought, you know, maybe a couple of years ago that Despy of all people would be mentoring Wato? You yeah. Know, so yeah. That's a, that's a, a great thing. Not all too dissimilar from who was that Moxley took on? <laughs> As like a, <laughs> like a, like a, like a, like a, like a um, dark horse stepson. Shota Umino, who is, is still riding the coattails of that particular relationship. <laughs> <laughs> still still comes to the ring with his Moxley jacket. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is like I was talking about Chrissy as well. I was like, I don't really like the fact that Shota Umino was still the baby face and Renner Rita turned heel because I'd much rather share Renner Rita than Shota Umino. But <laughs> it's like, oh, what do you have to do? But yeah, it's um 
it, New Japan is intriguing at the minute. I think you know people are complaining it's going into a slump, but I think basically the biggest issue is Dave Finley is leading Bullet Club and they don't like it. And I'm like, somebody has to. Yeah. And they're not going to get rid of it because they sell far too many T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, I don't, but as well, I don't think people understand like how Japanese wrestling works. Like people hate House of Torture, and I don't enjoy watching House of Torture matches either. But I know it sells tickets to a Japanese audience. And they're not going to stop selling House of Torch t They're going to sell more House of Torch t-shirts than they're going to sell of anything else because fans love to hate them. They are genuine heels. And it might be boring to a Western audience that's bought into this idea that New Japan is traditional sports-style entertainment wrestling, sorry, traditional sports-style wrestling, which it is a lot of the time. But equally, there's always been that element. And if you go back to the original days of the original Bullet Club with Prince Devitt and Farley and um, uh, Tawatonga, they did exactly what House of Torture did, even worse than what House of Torture did. You know, they did it all the time. And eventually they kind of settled down once they become an established faction, um, mainly because Devitt was a junior heavyweight trying to go up against Takada and Tanahashi. So he needed the edge, you know. And so whilst there's always been a faction that have been always been that evil. And before it was, before it was Bullet Club, it was Suzuki Goon, you know, and before it was Suzuki Goon, it was GBH. And before it was GBH, or was it before it was GBH? It would be um, Junior Heavyweight's um, Black Unit. You know, there's been yeah. a history of this for a very long period of time in New Japan because it works and it sells tickets. So why yeah. wouldn't you do that? Because that's the actual name of the game is selling tickets as much yeah. as like artistic matches. They've got to make money. They're, they're a wrestling organization under a massive corporate entity. They have to pay their way. Yeah, no, maybe and maybe I want to disconnect to your point specifically on on when it comes to the Western audience because you know over here very people very much love what they're used to, even when it's no longer uh, essentially as effective as it should be. People like what they're used to, and, and with, with New Japan, you know. Obviously, the factions were what they were. Bullet Club was always a strong sticking force, primarily controlling or dictating a lot of the pace um, with, with names going in and out here and there, but essentially having a pretty much consistent base. And, you know, certain things happen over a number of years and that maybe for, I guess, some Western fans, too much change too fast, too drastically for them. Yeah. A lot of the faces are no longer the, 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 the central face, not baby faces here, but like the, the face of... Uh, said faction or division or what have you. They've gone elsewhere and a lot of things are different. Bullet Club was completely different. Uh, there's no more Suzuki Goon. Uh, these big names that they maybe essentially only watched for are no longer there, they're elsewhere. And, and they don't know what to do. And to your point, it gets back to that traditional uh, Japanese booking that essentially they could, I guess, in some ways ignore because they were more attached to the to individual as opposed to, to the way of uh, New Japan. So, you know, you're looking at guys like Sonata who's broken out and, you know, different stuff that's transpired, like you said, with the junior division going up and down. And, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's the getting back into the corner that they needed in a way. Mm. Like you said, it, it, it's pushing them in so many different ways across the card to push this next generation that's going to, you know, be the face of, you know, the company. You know, those, those, it's just not what it used to be, but it but it's going where it kind of needs to in a lot of ways. It's just, and this is the thing with a lot of wrestling fans too. We don't like the bumpy times. 
Like is as an impact fan, I've gone very much accustomed to the bumpy times. But uh, <laughs> you know, they like they like to get on the trains that's moving and that's 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 going and that everybody else is on. And that's just not a lot of times how it works when something's being built. So, you know. I yeah, I mean you you could argue the same things being said about AW at the moment. You know, are there been a creative rot? And it's like, yeah. If you have a company, I mean, I think Tony does need to spread the weight a little bit, but if you have a company that's essentially led by one guy, you know, Memphis used to make more money than any other wrestling organization on earth for a very long period of time. And Jerry Jarrett would do six months and Jerry Lawler would do six months to make sure it didn't get stale. You know, they do Jerry would Jerry Lawler would do six months of booking, and then Jerry Jarrett would do six months of booking. You know, and you tended to get more like, you know. Jerry Lawler versus Batman stuff when Jerry Lawler was booking because <laughs> he liked fantastical things and Jerry Jarrett always had that mantra of personal issues make money because that was the Memphis style and they did so that's what you did and that was how it worked whereas you know AEW has a style and I can understand why people feel they're moving away from that style but equally you know You've got a roster and you kind of have to do with it. I think they've made some mistakes, citing Ric Flair. Um, but, you know, it's, you kind of got to take the rough with the smooth. It's not going to be plain sailing forever. And if a booking, if a company isn't having, is having a superb time all the time, that doesn't take into account the economy. It doesn't take into account a bunch of stuff. You know, it's like New Japan's darkest time was in a massive recession in 2005 which killed off all Japan Pro Wrestling and Gaia, you know, the two biggest women's wrestling promotions of all time in Japan, both went out of business in 2005, and New Japan couldn't get 12,000 people in the Tokyo Dome. That was as bad as it gets, you know, and yeah. you look at where they've come now, 45,000 people, 45,000 people will be there on January the 4th to watch Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's because they will, and a lot of people be free tickets, but you know, they're starting to fill that place again. They have momentum. Yeah, and I I think that's the thing. But they have to build somebody new. They can't just keep going. I mean, that's the whole point of Sonata. I don't think Sonata's kind of caught on the way he perhaps should have done an IWGP World Heavyweight Champion in the same way Shingo Takagi did. Um, but that's by the by. The story with NATO. NATO beating the guy that left LIJ at Wrestle Kingdom, giving the roll call, roll call in the Tokyo Dome. Naito fans, the most popular wrestler in New Japan, have waited a decade for that to happen. Yeah, I mean, that that would be great. And I mean, like I said, that's that's really the one of the great things about, maybe the greatest thing about Sonata ultimately leaving the faction, as opposed to uh, the, you know, the point you just made about not getting over the, the way that he could have. And I wonder if that's because they just... They pulled a bullet, uh, pulled a trigger, if you will, way too late when, you know, because I remember all those years we were calling for him to do it and he was being set up. It felt like he was being set up to finally be champion. Mm -hmm. It just mm -hmm. never did it. So when they did it, he was like, like the only thing you could say was about time. You yeah, I mean, I, I, I was thinking about this, like the run to the championship really started at Wrestle Kingdom in Yokohama, the Noah show. Yeah. Where it was Lij versus um, Lij versus Congo, and Sonada loses his match to 
Oh, I can't remember who was wrestling. It was his old tag team part from Wrestle One. Um, Manabushi, yeah. He really loses to him. Uh, and it's like that sets off a downward spiral that makes him see that LIJ isn't really the place where he should be. And he makes this friendship with Tai Chi and Tai Chi and him wrestling in the, the New Japan Cup. And it is a great story. But I don't think the seeds were planted strongly enough to make it grow as quickly as it should have done. Mm. Like, I think he was the right person to beat Okada now, in hindsight. Yeah. But I don't think the babyface, the turn on LIJ worked only quite so much. And the nature of Sonata, he wasn't a violent person. Yeah. So he's not going to have a violent fallout with NATO. He's just going, hey, I just don't really want to hang out with you guys anymore. Yeah. You know, and it's like, there's, that's the most Sonata thing possible. <laughs> yeah. But it doesn't give you, it's not the same as, like, you look at um, Dave Finley being up JY to take over Bullet Club. There's a definitive start to a story, isn't there? You know, yeah. That that's, I'm going, this is how the path goes forward. And maybe Dave's, maybe David hasn't really caught on as leader of Bullet Club, perhaps, as in the way that they hoped. But that doesn't matter. You know, he made declarative statements. And I think that's the tricky thing with Sonata is they didn't make a declarative statement with the story they were trying to tell. It's very subtle. Yeah. And if you're going to run a main event feud and make a main event player, you kind of have to hit somebody over the head with a chair sometimes to make that work. Yeah, that, to, that, to that point, I want to, like you said, the, the reason for the, the the urgency with the declarative statement, the reason why it's so important, because for the longest time, it felt like he was the guy that was kind of going to always be there no matter what happened. Mm. Um, in a lot of ways, he was, you know, the, the never changed anything. He was the guy that no matter what, you know, what the, the hair or how the uh, facial had changed, he was still going to be L.I.J., uh, you know, to the end of him. And then they did that 100% out of nowhere, lateral with evil, which I don't know if people still like probably scratching their head at. Um, and so it's not that, but to your point, that declared a statement needs to be had because like you said, him just being like, I don't want to um, hang out with you guys no more is the most nonchalant thing that, that ultimately speaks to the overall nonchalantness that he displayed being in uh, <laughs> L.I.J. while displaying that loyalty. But a lot of times it was just like, ah, yeah, they just, you know. That type I mean, of deal. I think that's the thing as well. It's just like he goes to he goes to just five guys who were a tight unit who were all friends, except Kanamura leaves because he gets essentially Kanamura leaves because um he gets a better off from House of Torture to turn on just five guys against Sonada in the title match because Evil's gonna beat Sonada and Evil doesn't so obviously now he's stuck in House of Torture. But you know, they were, but Kanemaru is all right. He doesn't. You don't mind Kanemaru turning even more heel because he's always going to heel. He's the master heel. That's his nickname. You know, he's supposed to be a bad guy. He didn't really fit in just five guys. Like um, Takamichinoku and Duki aren't really baby faces, but they work in just five guys because you kind of like them because they're just really good at what they do. Um, and. Uemura has joined Just Five Guys to replace Kanemaru is equally kind of nonchalant, but they're all supportive of each other and they all turn up for each other and they're everybody in everybody's corner and they train together and it's more of a traditional unit like Chaos or Bullet Club is. 
Whereas Lij is just kind of you know it's like the, the massive quote, the perfect quote from Takagi when he beat Okada for no, when he beat Osprey for the championship. Was it Osprey beat for the championship? No, he when he won the championship, it might have been a card when he beat. I can't remember. Anyway, when Takagi won the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, he gets the microphone and no one from Lij turns up and he just goes, "Well, isn't that typical of us?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like my friends are not here to celebrate with me because they have gone home. You know, and it's like that Sonata turned on that entire kind of mindset because yeah. it's like we can't be a unit and then not be a unit. What's the point? We're just a bunch of guys who hang out together. And since then, LIJ have been behind Titan, for instance. They all came up, they all turned up and stood in his corner behind Titan in in the Best of Super Juniors final. Um, NATO and Takagi stood with Bushi and Titan all the way through the Sylvester Super Juniors and they took and he stood with Suji and um uh the guy he was tagging with from CMLO whose name escapes me um <laughs> he he they stood in their corner all the way through World Tag League. You know, they've become with Sonada leaving has been the catalyst for them to become a proper faction. You know, like they've grown up a bit. Wow, that's, I mean, that's such an interesting idea, like, looking at, you know, your formal group and being like, you know, we can't be so too cool for school that we're too cool for each other. Exactly. And it's like, that's changed the dynamic. Has NATO become responsible enough as a faction leader to actually take this title this time in the place he wants to do it and complete the fairy tale that he's been trying to complete for the best part of 10 years? Um, because, you know, LIJ, LIJ essentially started... The night he lost the Never Openweight Championship to Tomohiro Ishii, and Ishii murdered him, and they booed him out of the building when he was the top line babyface and the chosen one, you know. And he just, he essentially that was the snap in his mind that being a babyface isn't all it's cracked up to be, and that's where it all goes from there. But I, I, the, the issue is. I think that's the thing is everything with LIJ is subtle and everything with just five guys has been subtle, but there hasn't been that snap of what a feud's supposed to be about, if you see what I mean. It's it's like they're feuding by proxy. <laughs> mm. And I think that Sonada is the one that's come out of worse from it because he's not he's not NATO. NATO can just smile and have a crowd in the palm of his hand. Sonada can't. He works really hard to get people into him. And that doesn't do much, you know, he's he's into him because he's enigmatic. But again, that means that, you know, sometimes one of the reasons why House of Torture is over because they do the big gestures. Why is Bullet Club over? Because they do the big gestures. Gabe Kids gets it. Run down to the ring, beat as many people as you can, go out. And that will do the job for you quite easily. <laughs> you know? Yes. And that's 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 the thing, is like this is this is multi layers of stuff and in deep storytelling mode and i think for a lot of people it's not enough especially western fans who don't maybe quite getting it the way the japanese fans are but we'll see won't we at wrestle kingdom yeah yeah and good on and look at glee putting on their own little wrestle kingdom before the year ends indeed that's that's a busy weekend ddt has a show on new year's eve every year as well and who else will know all on a big show that week because they'll be at budokan hall there is so much wrestling on that week. I I really wish I had a job that I was off for the whole of the first week of January. <laughs> yeah, it's, just, 
it'd be just like you know it'd be amazing wouldn't it just go to Kirk and Hall for three days because <laughs> yeah, if there's not enough wrestling all throughout the week in general consistently so yeah. there you go yeah. well thank you very much for listening to the Troopany show today we've had a lot of asides but it's been some fun asides I'd like to thank Mr. Marcus Green where can we find you on the internet sir no man my pleasure this has been phenomenal uh, you can find me uh, on, on that app uh, <laughs> that app uh, you know the one uh, at Paradox Kid, P A R A D O X K I D. Just dodge the Nazis and get to Marcus. That's what we're saying, isn't it, really? <laughs> <laughs> um, you can find me on Mastodon uh, as Sheriff Lonesight. You can find me on Twitter as well. Um, again, dodging Nazis. Um, <laughs> Um, my name is Sherry Flynstar on there. You can find also me also on Instagram, Sherry Flynstar TX. So it's not so much wrestling based, that's more guitar and cars based. Um, you can find the show Troopany Show on Twitter and on Instagram, and you can find us the Troopany Show on Facebook and uh, on Patreon, where you keep the Troopany Show free forever for everyone. We've had a bit of a, uh, a wrestling rewind dump as Dara has got me caught up with all the shows from autumn, and they're going out once a day um, over the next couple of weeks. Um, I'm getting some shows in the bag this week for the Christmas period. You will not be without the Troopany show for very long. Next week, we will be talking with John Dinsdale, previewing all of those shows uh, over the New Year period in Japan. And the following week, um, uh, there will be a show with me and Dara, which I've already recorded. Like I said, we'll be looking at some DDT and BJW and Kaintai Dojo action from 2010. And I've got another show to fit in there as well. At some point, we need to talk about Final Battle, don't we? Because that'd be a Ring Runner show we have to talk about. Yeah, I was I was thinking about that. Uh, you know, yeah, because we we've been doing we've been doing the stewardship of trying to keep them in a conversation, uh, despite kind of feels like to do the alternative. We've been trying to keep them in a very much in the conversation. So we 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 uh definitely were looking to get into that because that that looked like it was a very interesting show. So yeah, we're gonna uh find a way to fit that in. Like like James said, we're not gonna be without a show. Um a lot of stuff going on obviously so we're gonna try we're definitely gonna put the ring of honor uh back in the conversation. Here's a question for you and this is not a spoiler for anyone who hasn't watched Final Battle from Saturday because it's going out Monday we're recording on Sunday. Someone pointed this out and I have a tendency to agree with them. Athena, wrestler of the year. What are your thoughts, sir? I can't argue with it. She's had a banner year. Mm. And I, was, I, was, I know as much as we make fun of Tony Khan. Absolutely. Mm. <laughs> but but it's, it's, it's more on her than it is him. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, yeah. he's, he's the one that decides her. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, I'm but just saying. Yeah, it's but it's almost like because you you let the kids run uh, <laughs> in the park and you haven't been necessarily watching as tentatively as you would <laughs> parents should. That like, oh my God, she's a gymnast. <laughs> it's like <laughs> so you know in that regard, she's she's absolutely thrived, and this is I think the point that she's always been trying to get to when we've seen her, and certainly in other instances. So yeah, absolutely, and she's had banger matches. Like if you. If, mm. I've been watching Ring of Honor for any other reason. She has been the reason uh, think, to watch both from a character perspective in their ring. I think as well, it does help that 
Eddie and Claudio just haven't been on Ring of Honor television. <laughs> and that's another thing. <laughs> and that's not Eddie and Ring. That's not Eddie and Claudio's fault. They're busy on yeah. AEW, but that means that the women's champion is the top champion on the show. So therefore, she has been pretty much carrying the company on her own shoulders because yeah. the other major players don't necessarily appear on that TV show on a regular basis. So they made her the focus of the company, and um. Someone used to say, oh, what was it? Oh, women don't draw. Just saying. Anywho. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, she, she's, she's absolutely ace right now. Yeah, absolutely. But we will talk about that when we get to the final battle. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening to the Truth News Show today. We will be back next week. Take care and see you soon. Bye. <laughs>